What's going on? We're uh, glad you're here. Back for based podcast time. I don't know what episode we're on. Four. Four. I do know what episode we're on. Uh, It's episode four. That's what happens when we have like a bunch in the bank just like waiting to be edited, forgetting that we haven't edited it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Forgetting that we haven't made a regular schedule. That kind of stuff. <laughs> Maybe that comes one day. We don't know. Yeah, but today, knows, probably uh, not. But today is really special. Uh, yeah. Would you tell the people why it's special? We've got uh, my friend, new friend ish. We've we've only known each other for about a year or so now. My friend Craig Berletic. Uh, you would know him from playing with Tyler Childers, mm-hmm. El Dorado Incorporated, which I like to think of as the prestige worldwide of country music. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Brad Goodall, uh, I mean, a bunch of others, like a bunch of cool filling gigs, like SG mm-hmm. Goodman the other day. Uh, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, doing great, man. Glad to talk to some fellow bass players. <laughs> yeah, it's always, <laughs> man, I feel like these go so often, like, they go way philosophical, which we can do that. That's okay. <laughs> Or they go way gear nerdy, which obviously is something I do more. So the balance is healthy. But um, yeah, we're going to see where this goes. I think the coolest thing to start out with was when when I was really thinking about uh, doing this music thing more. Um, Craig had a phone call with me and we talked for like over an hour. We had never met, and he was just, like, the coolest dude and so helpful to me mentally as I just figured out, like, is this what I want to do or do for a period or whatever? So I really appreciate that. It was so inspiring to me, and he didn't have to do it at all. So Yeah, right on. Especially, like, you were playing you're, – you're still playing amazingly cool big shows. Yeah. Uh, you were still playing cool big shows at that point, too. <laughs> so that's Man. awesome. That's cool that, um, you know, like now that you say that, I remember it. I, I wouldn't have guessed that it was like that long. It seems like it was just like had a had a chat with you or whatever. But like, man, I get talking. I really do. So I can see where <laughs> uh get that long. But yeah, I'm uh, it's we became fast friends, man. I'm really glad of it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, I, I was debating before we did this if I would call you slash us this, but I would uh, fellow whiz banger. Whizbang yeah. affiliate. Proud. Proud Whizbang. <laughs> Whizbanging. Whizbanging across this world. Absolutely. Whizbang eye. Whizbang in. Yeah, exactly. Play from the planet Wiz. Uh yeah, dude. Uh, the first time we talked to, I had a lot of like gear questions as I as I normally do with people does. I talk to. Um and you were not you were you are self proclaimed not a gear person, which uh, I have yeah. I have the <laughs> utmost respect for. <laughs> Absolutely, because it's a freaking sickness. Yeah, like I spend more time thinking and talking about gear than practicing my instrument, which is a problem. That's funny. Well, I just to full disclaimer, like at this point, I'm like that character in the movie that was like nicked by the zombie, but isn't telling anybody. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, like uh, and. I, if it's a sickness or whatever, like it's definitely got it started, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. But like I'm still old Craig, <laughs> but like at a certain point, I'm just gonna glaze over. Yes, and you're gonna have to decide to shoot me or whatever. No, I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm, I'm so here for it. So, uh, tell us about your your recent, I don't know. Uh, Glow up as the as the, the children would say. Up. I love it. Your your gear glow your tone up. glow. Because before Dude. you were American P bass for a long time, like Sunburst American P bass, still playing that. Um, and then what happened? Well, like, dude, I love the the way you're framing that and and like from a certain perspective it's totally true but like i think that like uh oftentimes with that story like and then it like the cinderella thing and like i just show up in the pumpkin wagon or whatever um like it, it was a slow thing regardless and you know part of that's being around like two geniuses in so many ways but just in the gear way um with like james barker and jesse wells you know that's then uh-huh. me and james being friends for so long i mean it's been a long time of like always being interested you know like a, a, 
just like anything in your life, like, man, a big part of keeping me back from getting into gear was money. You know, like I grew up where that's just not a thing, not a possibility. I didn't even get like gear bought for me, you know, like the first base I got after like be like was a $60 Hondo two. Right. And it had a humbucker in it that somebody put in there, but they had like gouged out the body. It was way too big. Whoa. So my buddy, my buddy, JC Harless, who I was playing music with at the time and like learned to play music with, would will remember this. Like I had to like sit with it back because if I leaned just normal or forward, the pickup would fall out of the base and hit the string. Oh it was gosh. like, we'd be having like a really, tender jamming moment or whatever. You'd be like, come on, come on. Like trying to stand. It would just like scare us. But, and yeah, so like, I mean, and I learned bass to be in his band and do projects with him. Like before he had, my brother played guitar and, uh-huh. and had borrowed guitars and stuff. And we had got into like kind of heavier music within. I mean, we're talking 1999, mm-hmm. 98. Um, in sixth grade maybe and a little before that maybe fifth grade where the music like my brother was interested in it and jc was my friend would come over but jc was like a real natural singer and um he had a band and i was just his friend that liked music so i went over to this basement where they practiced all the time and just hung out and wanted to be around music but i was like had no belief i could do music and was like discouraged from music at the house that i was living in and um they were had a bass player in the band that they were not happy with it was the guitar player's little brother and um it's like they have a class they those two brothers have like a hilarious dynamic that persists today and like they're both really awesome people but like yeah the bass player was just i don't know they maybe they thought i was more of a good fit personality wise (laughs) but funny thing was is they like they fired him the guitar player's little brother but i played all his gear like oh. I, I couldn't play bass like my buddy jc remember like tell me to play bass and i was unsure about it. i'm like i can't man like i just i don't know how to do that you guys already know how to do it i won't <laughs> and he was like man learn bass it's easy it's the easiest one <laughs> and i that's kind of what pushed me over the edge into being like all right okay okay if it's the easy one uh-huh. i can do that uh-huh. Yeah. Started learning some Nirvana songs with him, but gear-wise, yes. the reason I brought this up is like it was a warlock, a BC Rich Warlock. Yes. And a JBL, a crazy rig that I, I don't even know what the amp was. I don't know if JBL made an amp. It was definitely a JBL cabinet that was 118. But wow. it was like the size of a fridge. Yeah. Like it was like a 610 fridge, but it just had 118 in it. Super and uh, that's Man, we didn't really move it a lot. Oh, that's like, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like there's the basement. Okay, um, our good. friend Jordan Cole, it was his basement. And then we moved up to the guitar player, Wade Midkiff's uh, house and stayed there for like the next 10 years or whatever we did this band. And um, yeah, so that's like what I started on. I didn't have my own bass, uh-huh. right? And I got that Hondo. Uh-huh. That was my first bass we got. My brother helped me find somebody that was selling it for 60 bucks. That's awesome. So yeah, and then like through there, it's like, it's just kind of been like gear mishap after another. Like, I feel like when you're a buddy, somebody doesn't have a lot of money, like you need to buy a piece of gear that you need. It's a real source of anxiety. You're like, totally. um, Oh, I need, I want to make the right choice. I don't, you know, I did this and this and that. So it's like, I had a few of those. And by the time I got out of high school, it was, I knew James Barker in high school and Rod Elkins, who I play with in a few different groups now and are my brothers. Um, but like James had come back from doing recording school and we started jamming and decided, well, let's start a band. And we had another drummer. This guy, Jonathan Wright, who's a friend I grew up with. And he was kind of playing in the the high school band I was talking about and the middle school band too. But uh, we met him in high school. Anyways, um, so I started playing with James. I still don't really have like a good bass, uh, right? I think at this point I had it. I had a uh, LTD ESP okay, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 
So, uh, and it just wasn't, it was like, it sounded okay. It had the EMG humbucker uh-huh. pickups, but it was like, it, I was kind of done playing a pointy bass. Uh-huh. A pointy bass. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a good way yeah, to put it. <laughs> it had too many points on it. I'm kind of uh-huh. back around where I'm interested in points again and definitely have no discrimination against yes. pointy stuff. At that time, <laughs> I was like, um, but yeah, so James actually had a bass that he found in a dumpster. And it was a court Kerbo base. Okay. Do you know court? I do know court. I don't know that model. Kerbo is like, it was like their attempt at like a nice base. Right. And it's kind of like in the um, Ibanez world. Like I'm pretty sure the neck was ebony or like graphite or something. Right. It wasn't like a, yeah, I don't know what it was. And it has like a little small body. And I think it had 24 frets that went up at least on the G frame. And it had like Bartolini pickups uh-huh. and James and me, but like he, I could tell he loved that it was fu- dumpster base. Like uh-huh. I think his brother-in-law saw somebody thrown away or maybe, maybe a friend. Amazing. It's like, man, they're throwing music equipment away in this dumpster in Huntington. Like you're the person I could think of. And <laughs> James said the neck was like this. And I think he literally just screwed him back in. Uh, I don't know awesome. what he did. Like, <laughs> but I played it. It was great. Um, and then I think, I can't remember exactly the bass, but if if I played that to about 2013, might be correct. Well, so yeah, I did fall in love with a fretless bass at Marshall University. I think after, right after the dumpster bass, I was still uh-huh. playing it, but didn't have a bass. And it was a 1974 fretless precision bass with a maple neck. And um, it was kind of like a long struggle in college. They didn't really offer me resources it's like i was kind of outside of the i was teaching myself to read music this Mm -hmm. thing i wasn't like some of the faculty's ideal of like a student a good uh eligible student right Right. so like getting stuff but the jazz program had this bass and i fell in love with it it was like i was wanting to play upright it was the closest i could get and okay so you are not playing upright yet you you started playing upright later I, right. And I may have had like a little bit of experience, but one thing was, is like the jazz program didn't have a bass uh-huh. and the classical department didn't want me playing theirs because uh-huh. I was an electric bass player. Uh-huh. And they were just like, no, mm. no. And actually a friend, um, Sid Tweel from Huntington, who's like longtime Huntington resident and a jazz enthusiast, but like kind of at the time I met him may have been in like a rough period in his life or I don't sure. know what, but like, man literally would like i worked at borders by the mall for a long time and he would come in there and uh he was like a line cook at chilies or something and he would like quiz me on jazz he'd be like chili like he'd be like you like jazz and i'm (laughs) i think i think and he would be like yeah and like you know kind of uh show me what you could know sort of thing and uh but anyways i was telling him about these troubles about how i couldn't get my hands on a bass and he had like a German made 1800s bass that had like been in his family and was like set up for jazz. And Whoa. he, he let me borrow it for a week and I borrowed it for a week over Thanksgiving break and played it on the big band concert, just showed up with it. It was like, I'm going to do this anyways. That's the kind of a, the short version of the upright thing, but that's cool. There was some period in there with this electric bass that I had got experience on an upright and like in a stick upright, uh-huh. but I wasn't like an upright player yet. Right. And part of playing the fretless bass was like, maybe I'll get better at upright if I do fretless. But I loved that. Um, and Rod was in, like, at this point, bass-wise, Rod was in the trio with James and I now. Yeah. So I'm playing the bass, and we're like a rock trio. Right. And, uh, um, yeah, like, I didn't know what I liked about that bass at the time. It, all I knew is it, like, had a really cool sound. And I also knew that they called them precision basses because they had frets. And I was like, how cool that this precision bass is, like, fretless. And it has a maple neck, which, you know, I hadn't seen. And the body yeah. was blonde. Dude, I like things that look cool. The like unprecision bass. Yes. <laughs> and it was, like, white pickguard, natural yeah, body. Yeah, yeah. It's like, this bass is cool, man. And, uh, but they couldn't sell it to me because they're a state school and they got to do everything through an auction. Totally. So I had, I was like, need, and that, that, that was when I knew I wanted a P base and wanted more of a standard base, okay. nothing. Yeah. No. So I got, I was renting an upright from a place in Cleveland that said they would rent me an upright for a year for 300 bucks. And I was like, Done. deal. Yeah. Can't, yeah. <laughs> can't afford that. And, uh, literally as I 
load the upright into my car. I was with my girlfriend at the time. who's my wife now, Molly. And there's a guitar center across the street and literally red banners, just like fender sale. And I was like, I'm walking. Like I just was walking over there before I knew what was going on. I'm like, cause we're Molly and I are deal shoppers. Uh-huh. We totally. will hit a tanger or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah, we'll, we'll better shop the sales rack. But, uh, so we get in there and she knows I need a base. She knows I'm poor and she's like really basically helping me live at this point. And so it's like, but let's go check out this deal. And, um, they do the classic guitar center guy. I'm like, go right over to the, uh, the fender stuff. And he's like, that's cool. That's cool. Um, how about an Ibanez? Right. <laughs> and he like yeah. brings me just like, he's like, it's active pickup is everything. And I'm playing on it. I'm like, I was like being polite. I tried everything. Eventually after like two or three bases, I was like, can I see the P base? And he was like, Oh, you have your mind made up or whatever. I'm like, well, not really, (laughs) but I wanted to play it. And one thing that immediately got me is just like, man, you can do so much with a tone knob on a P base. Like it's like this perception, like a one kind of trick thing. But I was just like, man, I can, and I needed something that I could play you know, my degree I got in jazz. Right. Uh So whatever you want to call that, but I wanted to play jazz on, I wanted to play country and funk and rock. I needed to be one bass for me. Mm -hmm. So I was like, all right, cool. Got me a American standard through talking with James, all the great gear knowledge. He's just part of me. I was like, I knew the the Americans, the way you want to go, if you want a professional instrument and stuff. So I got that in 2013 and it was a 2011 P bass. So it's like my thoughts are always like, man, it spent two years on the rack and guitar center. <laughs> right. That's right. basically like torrified now. Like that's an <laughs> aging process. Like <laughs> yeah. you, you have a bass hanging on there for two years and everybody rubs their like play smoke on the water right. or higher ground or whatever the on it. Of that come in there just like just yeah. On so, it. Yeah. so it's a twenty thirteen, but like those two years of his first life between twenty or no, it's a twenty eleven, but between twenty eleven and twenty thirteen feel like it, it's almost a vintage instrument you know but uh <laughs> that's awesome but I, I used it with every tyler thing and everything like early on in the tyler days i was yeah. doubling i really love playing upright and i was like man i want to and tyler's music definitely is open to um upright sonically mm-hmm. and stuff and i had fallen in love with american music black american music um you know the traditional music around here country music um, and how the bass applied to those. So I was really into like upright and electric. But the thing was, is like I had got my own upright eventually, but like the setup on those things is so tricky. I have nobody in my local scene that has foraged this ground before me of like great sound on upright and electric, both country. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't, there's nobody ahead of me. Everybody like, you know, in that realm are guitar players essentially. And they just don't have like, they could tell me if it sounds good or not. And they told me it didn't a lot, you know, which was great. (laughs) Um, But so. And and when they're set up, like I always had the issue when I was, when I was in college, I played for the jazz program and I had like a couple days where I was like, I would love to learn upright, but I found that every upright bass they had was set up as an orchestra bass. So the action was like impossible to play. And I just gave up on it. You, you played upright for a little bit. I did. I did through all all for, of college for UK stuff. Yeah, I did through all of college. You it, don't do it anymore, do you? I I don't. I don't. You should do it. I wish. I have. What no, do you mean you wish? You I have no upright outlet. You know, you got to have the right spot. for I it. have a studio right here. Oh, perfect. Just me in the corner, <laughs> playing alone. <laughs> Dude. Well, I mean, every person's got their own things that call to them, man. And, yeah. and the best thing you can do is like listen to that. You yeah. know what I mean? So that's that's what I was doing. I don't think there's any like. Man, there's too much uh, to tackle to be like the most well-rounded bass player that does every form of basing. You know what I mean? Absolutely. If it's something that calls you and like, maybe it's not now, maybe it's later, you know? Um, But yeah, as far as like being set up like a classical bass, man, I feel like a lot of the best classical players I'd ever play would have a really nice feeling bass. You know what I mean? A lot of those that, you know, that you might've played on are like, yeah, they're, they're the schools and like, they might, you know, I don't know if there's a bass professor there stewarding over them or if they're a violinist or, you know, something like that. And it's like, or they know they're going to get beat up and they're from the seventies. So it's like, 
And, and that's, but that's what I had to play. So it's like, I either played that or I didn't. Yeah. And, um, so you were rough. It was it. like, yeah. And well, I also had one foot in the school and one foot were in the local scene. Right. And I was, and it was like, I was immediately wanting to apply everything I was learning in the school to that. So I got my hands on upright. I'm like, sweet. I can maybe like, we did like funk rock country bluegrass with, uh, the deadbeats a little bit. I mean, uh-huh. I say bluegrass, very little, like my idea of what bluegrass was at the time, but like, sure. I want to play upright in it maybe, uh-huh. or play like, you know what I mean? And like bring elements of jazz or whatever I was learning in school into the, uh, um, like the local rock scene. So yeah, I was just like any upright. And if it was in those kind of things, like if it is a trashy upright, cool. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a, I don't know. This is what I'm working with right now. But, um, and then like what I noticed with setup is like, I took mine to maybe a jazz setup, dude. I had a K eventually. Oh yeah. And it cool. was like, and it was like, it was in Cincinnati and like, they just set it up and they asked me how I want to set it up. And I don't know. And I'm like, I don't know. Beefy, I guess. <laughs> is that, is that right? And I think that they uh, took that as like, okay. And just set it up like insanely beefy oh. and fire cores. I don't know if you know those strings, but it seems like, I don't know what the tension is on those, but anytime any set of spiral cores I've had on a bass end up feeling like super high tension. Okay. Like it's hard to play and like just the tone seems choked and uh-huh. it's just a, a fight. Uh-huh. Like the first time I've had a setup on my bass upright that feels comfy and stuff is like right now. Okay. Um, yeah. So it took me a while and it's, it still needs tweaking as far as just playing, matching the comfortability and still getting a good sound. Uh-huh. But, but like that German bass, that guy let me borrow early on that I told you about, it was set up pretty beefy mm-hmm. and I learned on that. You know what I mean? And where I've also played hard on electric my whole life because like where I wasn't into gear, I didn't get like a bass and an amp. Mm-hmm. I got a bass. Mm-hmm. So I played without an amp a lot of the time. And my, I'm so heavy fingered. Yeah. Like, it's like I play really hard because of that because I literally would have my ear on my bass uh-huh. to like hear what I was doing, and it's like I consider it a bad habit, but like I, it's also whatever. Like I'm working on it. If I can, if I every now and again I relax and I lighten up my touch and I like where it gets me, but uh-huh. it's all like my voice is my voice, and you know, that's yeah. hilarious, honestly, because I'm going through this thing right now. It seems like I just laser focus on a couple issues that don't necessarily matter all that much. But like right now is I keep noticing I play so hard that sometimes I rattle out my bases. And so they do that bow thing. Like they hit and then they choke, um, which doesn't like matter that much live or anything. But when I'm in the studio, they hate that. Uh, So I'm just like, I've been in a, a period of just raising my action is I'm really happy on kind of my main Yamaha. I've got a second Yamaha that's in the shop right now to try to figure out because raising that action, I played a gig the other day. We have one song called flood that like has kind of a bass solo in it. But the, the hard part is that it's like a full on like symbols band moment. So like I'm trying to play hard over the band full dynamic and I played it the other day and I, and it was the first time with this four string I just got and I could barely fret after that song. And it was the third song in the set. <laughs> so I was like kind of freaking out and fretting with my second finger the whole time. So I'm trying to find that balance, but I'm with you, man. I hit, I hit hard. Way yeah. Too hard. So I think one way I can logic to myself is like, a lot of conversations I've actually had with like Rod about him, how he likes to record drums Uh and obviously like playing, performing live and performance in the studio are different, but there's many things that are across applicable when you end up kind of, you know, whatever. But one thing is like when you talk about playing cymbals, right? Like if you, you know, whack the ever loving shit out of a cymbal, (laughs) um, it's going to sound a little funny. Um, like maybe, and then if you like hit it with a certain touch where it kind of milks it more, like you might get a better sound, a way better sound, or just the same, right? Without like having to work as hard right. or it just, like, just blooms better or whatever. It's like, he's talks about it. Uh-huh. I'm just repeating, but like, I've kind of absorbed that. And like, yeah, I think about that with my, um, like striking the string too hard. Totally. Uh, there's like a level of efficiency or it's like, I can relax and 
doesn't mean anymore if I like hit it hard. It doesn't maybe necessarily sound better, but like, um, so that's a cool little goal to like, yeah, find about milking the string, getting these nice, beautiful, looming tones. That's a great thing to do. But like, yeah, I'm not, whenever we're like in the middle of a gig and we're playing like the, uh, like a soccer stadium or whatever we did, uh, this summer, like if I'm like rocking out and busting a shape and like clinched up on my bass uh-huh. and smacking it, it's like, that's kind of a snapshot of, uh, that performance. It's a documentation. Totally. totally. It's like, that's cool. Yeah. I got little things I'm working on. I don't like to chalk it up as a failure, but, yeah, uh, it's, it's yeah. 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 I mean that, that's kind of my next hurdle too. Cause now actually Chris justice came over the other day. So we were talking right. about setups too. Cause I was just like, man, I'm just hitting hard and this is happening. And I know it's not like, you know, I've gone through all these, t- you know, I've played 10 bases that rattle under my fingers. Like at some point you got to be like, okay, this is a technique issue. I got to figure this out. Uh, and he handed me his bass and every fret, every down, no, no, like I could, I could hardly play it because he has such like a precise, like yeah, particular, particular touch. I was like, yeah, I can't yeah, his, do that. His bases always feel really good when you play them. Like they're always set up really easy. Nice. Yeah. 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 I've always liked that. They're super cool. So take me from, so your school had that fretless precision. Is that the same fretless precision you're with now? Or did you rebuy that kind of base? Yeah. I rebought that kind of base. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, it was like, you know, I kind of, I tend to think romantically about things and romanticize things. And so like, yeah, with that base, it ended up being like Wayne's world. I don't know if you know Wayne's world very well, but like he had the one guitar you would like visit. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> right. So like, that was the thing. I watched that movie like thousands of times as a kid, you know, and it's just like in me. And I think that that's, I kind of got that in my head. And, uh, but like, I had all these legitimate reasons for it, but like, I just, you know, even when one would pop up at Carter's, I think, uh, James or somebody sent me a picture and it was like, I think they wanted like $1,200 for one at Carter, like, you know, five years ago or something like that. Yeah. And I was like, and I, no, 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 not now. But at that time I was just like, Oh, yeah. Also true. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. One day, you know, like I just didn't even have that, you know what I mean? To like go ahead and bounce on, like pounce on it then, you know, just one of those things where it's just like, uh, and at the same time, like my interest in the gear, I kind of had my base and Uh I was like, you know, but yeah. So the time came where I was like, Oh man, I can, I think I can like kind of get that base. I always wanted. Uh And so I did just like find one on reverb, you know, and and it was literally three weeks before we recorded hounds. Yeah, And um, it was like a little bit like Tyler had expressed a little bit of interest in my interest in a fretless bass, you know what I mean? That's good. And like, it's been like, man, like you ever think about that? Yeah, for sure. So that got me feeling about, it. and then like we had had some shared recordings, like there's one song and we're recording Tyler and I've been talking about on different platforms, but it's like that good God born again funk uh-huh. and like the track on that with a fretless bass. And I'm just like, yeah, uh-huh. you know, like I want that. So then we were doing this project And I was like, I don't know, like, I didn't, I guess I felt a little bit of like internal pressure, but it's just that calling that I was talking about earlier. Yeah. I'm being called to this right now. So I was like, gotta happen, gotta make it happen. Uh And I think I got that base, like I paid for it, I think three weeks before the recording and got it like in that time in between that, you know what I mean? So then just like rolled right in and recorded the record with it, the whole thing. Uh, oh, the whole we did thing. It. You didn't switch back and forth at all. No, nah, man, that it's that bass voice for that record to me in my mind is fretless wow. for that record. Yeah. Nice. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the thing was, is like it, they said when they sold it to me, it had two previous owners um, so I think that it like, it smelled like mothballs really bad or yeah, something when I got, like, <laughs> it's kind of like, is that turpentine uh, or like, some yeah. weird smell, you know, and, uh, like, so I think it sat in this case for a long time and there was a, like, 
I forget what it's called, but like a bump in the neck, you know, okay, like right. it, it was more, like, it was totally uh-huh. like this you get to the D the D to like E. So like mainly started on D E flat on the A and string. Then, no, on the G string. Oh, okay. You know, uh-huh. what yeah. right would that be? Seven. Um, like, so it would kind of squash grapes right there. It'd be like, boing, like yeah, this kind of, yeah. that's that sound. Uh, yeah, so that was just there, and nice. uh, I, yeah, I love that. And I was like, kind of getting to know the bass uh-huh. as I was recording yeah. or whatever. Uh-huh. So you know? let me ask you this: I, I think I was let's backtrack a little bit. I love when people buy off reverb. It's something I haven't really done a lot, but I've done a few times. Is when you buy a bass sight unseen. Were you nervous okay. when you buy? You're like, I know I want this bass. I know this is a good deal. But like you're rolling the dice, it's gonna, it might smell, it might have this cavern in the neck that's it just might like be too heavy. It might be too light. I would say like, might, like were you nervous to get this thing in? You're like, because like, what if I hate it? What if it's just like, you know? So yeah, like my experience is just like my own experience in life, and like so that nervousness has been with every single piece of gear I've ever bought. Yeah, you know, like yeah. I remember I bought a Boss tuner pedal, and I mean my <laughs> stomach is <did> not. Like, <laughs> yeah have a lot of money yeah, and I'm like, this would yeah. be the right one. And I lost that thing like a month after I bought it. Just oh, no. like Humbling. whatever it was, and it devastated me. And I didn't even get a tuner for like four years. Cause I was just like, well, I just lost a hundred some dollars. I don't know. I don't know what they are like $120, but that was like, I was out of money then. Yeah. And I, I, now I don't have a tuner and I couldn't yeah. get one. Right. So like when you ask if I'm nervous, like every time I buy something, I get really nervous. <laughs> yeah. And, that's funny. And, uh, and I'm just like, is this the right decision? Totally. And I don't know for a long time, but like, yeah, now, like, obviously I'm so glad I did. I paid too much for it. You know, I'm basically putting a signal out to every person that you can charge me too much money. <laughs> Cause like, <laughs> I don't know, you know what I mean? So it's sure. like, I just like, they had some really high price on and I made an offer underneath that. Right. Probably beyond what I wanted to pay, but thought mm. like they did it right. Right. I felt right. uncomfortable. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they just accepted the offer yep. and that's what I paid. Yeah. I was just like, all right. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> hey, I got the base in time and yeah. it's, it was really clean looking and Sick. the 70, I fell in love with a 74. This is a 72 that was way cleaner than the school one. And the school is the only one that had owned it. Uh-huh. Right. So, like it had kind of had that thing that guitar center base had uh-huh. where it had been, grubbed over uh-huh. and hands and everything. Yeah. So like this base had been put away, but it had its own problems because it had been put away. And like, it wasn't a concave thing in the neck. It was a convex thing. Like uh-huh. it was a, yeah. Nice. Um, so as that now, did you get it worked on or is that yeah, how it is? I was going to ask. I did. I did. It was funny. It was like probably a year after I recorded it, the year in between hounds coming out and me uh, and us, yeah, recording it and it coming out, I went and decided to get it taken care of, right? Because it finally had been like, oh, man, that's messed up, ain't it? And like, yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. And uh, so scale model guitars, man. You guys know that guy? I think his name uh-huh. is Dave. Dave. Oh, dude, he's a Nashville dude that okay. has a shop. Um, he just moved locations. It was run out of his house when but he's had a few locations but he works on like a lot of great Nashville players i think i ran into margo price's tech sweet tech when i was over there and i think he built a guitar or building a guitar for billy strings it looks really cool and like really really skilled how'd you find out about him james okay, Barker. there you go yeah yeah, yeah no i mean <laughs> him and jesse they any anything they are be probably beyond annoyed at this point because every. <laughs> ask a lot of questions i'm like that's awesome is right is this is this okay should i do this and uh but yeah he told me that both i think i asked them both and they both were like man that guy you know would you know if you can get in with them and i think he had it for like a month and he played the neck and uh-huh. then he um kind of put a little dye in his lacquer i think to try to get it close back to like because it was like real yellow uh-huh. you know as far as like the um look of the neck right. and like you know so he did a great job and Sick. it's, nice. uh, yeah. So now, now I can't blame a huge hump in it for, um, 
you play out of tune or whatever, making a funny noise. It's all me, but nah, uh, well, like it, it plays, plays really good. Nick, uh, can attest to this because I was like, it's like, man, we just got to like put more stuff out there on our Instagram. And so I was like, okay, I'll learn this little thing that, uh, Craig played on the other version of purgatory. It's like, I'll learn it really quick. I'm not, I don't have a front <laughs> yeah. list or whatever. And I sat down, I was just like, cussing the whole time i was like god and i just gave up i was like i'm not gonna do this what? That's, dude, that's but honestly one thing i learned in the recording process of that stuff is like yeah i've spent a lot of time learning other people's parts and yeah i love that because it's like you get into it and you do a thing and you figure out a certain like you learn it one way and then like as you get down further in the part you're like the first half has to have a different fingering and they probably had this fingering. and you're like, they're genius. Yeah. Like, man, how they think of that? And the way this part like goes into that part, it's like, man, it's so just like, I, I could never think of that. And maybe if I learn enough parts, I'll think of that and all this stuff. And, and then like, I just record this thing where it's like, man, my process with recording is like, I don't want to like come in there with like knowing every note I'm going to play. Cause uh-huh. I think it, encouraged me to play poorly right so i want it to be pretty off the cuff with a general ballpark of what happens and whatever goes down goes down yeah and so then i have to like run my parts back when we go to perform it and it's like yeah i'm it's literally just like i'm learning somebody else's bass part a little bit because it's like that's awesome maybe it'd been a few months and yeah so it's like i had tricky parts from just like damn like could you play this a little <laughs> simpler yeah <laughs> But and like me saying that is like playing sim- more simple is like a great overall goal to have on anything. Yeah, I think sure. especially in the kind of music we play, but that goes across. And that's definitely like I, I wasn't recording this like, let me play as complicated as I can. But mm-hmm. Tyler did say he wanted it to be funky. And I yeah. think any bass player that comes told to be funky, it's like, well, you have to have some kind of rhythmic hook and some kind of maybe melodic hook. Right. Mm-hmm. That's like not complicated. But it's a song part that's that's you know it's not just a diamond holding down the lower frequencies. It's like a right. thematic part, right? So I put a like over recording it. Like yeah, these songs evolve. I put a lot of thought into how they were going to develop and what they were saying, like in the tune. But yeah, man, that's awesome. Nice, yeah. So take us through how then you showed up with a 63 P base <laughs> fretted and how, how now do you choose between your beloved fretless and your, your 63? Is that what it is? I'm looking at the Instagram. Thing. It's a 65, 65, but it's an early 65. Back uh, when they were like finding old bodies under, you know, under the, well, under the rafters like- and like with this different neck and it's a cool fender <laughs> era. Yeah, well, I think the thing with that year and the year before in particular, and this has all been told to me, I'm I'm learning, you know, I'm not telling anybody anything new. And it's actually off that's it's a great story. And like one thing before I even get started is like I'm different now. That's that's how I've been good. <laughs> like since I got that base. Since I got that base, like, oh, there's like the whole time of the tools I used before I got that base, uh-huh. right? The, the 65. Uh-huh. Um, and so like what happened with that is like, man, I guess I probably am sucked into some weird touristy uh, brand thing. Like when I'm in Nashville, we go to Carter vintage guitars and I just like want to buy something, you yes. know, I'm just I like, mean, that's awesome. Yeah, no, but I just like get it. I'd like bought a basement, one of those basement amps in that uh-huh. picture you're talking about um, there like a couple weeks before. Okay. And I got my red DI there and I left, I left the price tag on it. Cause I got my red DI at Carter for like 550 bucks. Amazing. Price. And uh, I thought it was pretty good. And like Carter is no, like I don't know if they're known for things always being like the best price you can find. Yeah. It's kind of an no, experience. Not, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's kind of an experience huh. to buy. It yeah, there. Right. yeah. You get to like, say, so, I got this from Carter. Yeah. But like the cool thing is, is I got that red DI really cheap or whatever. I uh-huh. left the sticker. But anyway, so that's just setting the stage that I was at Carter. One of the times we were in Nashville, I think this dude, since like August or there was a period of like, where in 10 weeks. I went to Nashville once a week. 
you know, mm-hmm. just different stuff. And so one of the times I was down there, we were with the guys. It was, I think, in the store that day, it was me, Jesse, James, and CJ Kane. Uh-huh. Who I ran into he, at Home Depot. <laughs> that's where you would run into CJ. <laughs> He's the newest member of the food stamp. Uh-huh. and uh, But also, like, one of the oldest guys to jam with the food stamps and Tyler at the same time. That's and man, cool. what a lovely treasure of a dude and friend. And so we're at Carter and, and dude, I get Wayne's world in on this base. I'm just like stuck in on this, uh, 1961 fender precision. Oh, and okay. it's like, it is just like, and dude, I am a sucker. First thing it's like, man, this thing looks really cool. You know, sure. like it's not overly, um, antiqued. Mm-hmm. It's not like yeah. it's just like a old looking base and like it's a sunburst, but like it looked like it was like a two tone tobacco burst. I don't think it was uh-huh. right. It's just like how those sunbursts seem to have like variants. Yeah. This thing was like this thing was like more brown. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah. So that's not the base I'm talking oh, about. Oh wait. Though. Oh, you're sorry. You're talking about a yeah. sixty-two, one, sixty-one. Okay. Yeah, that's a sixty-five. Okay. And. So I, but then I take it off the wall and I start playing it and it's like, oh yeah, like, I don't know what all the necks are, but I'm like, this is a really, um, wide neck. Uh-huh. It seems like, and I like that okay. and it just feels inspiring to play it. I'm just playing it on the bench. And I'm just like, I think I'm going to buy this bass uh-huh. and, and it starts like, and it's $10,000 yeah, and that's what I was waiting for. <laughs> and I was telling you guys like, how nervous like just spending any money on music makes me anyway. Yeah. So it's all, but like, dude, in the back of my head for a long time, like I know it seems like just overnight I got into gear, but like when I lived in Miami, I met this guy and we just hung out for a little bit, just enjoying each other's company and maybe, uh, you know, enhancing life <laughs> experience or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Anyways, partaking <laughs> in reputation, but he had a, uh, 60 some p bass uh-huh. and i played it and it's just like i just kind of knew that like if you want to do professional recordings um you might need a 60s p bass at a certain time or before like a 50s right mm-hmm. i just knew that was a thing so this has always been like a thing that I, is like a stop that i knew was on this train track way right. down the line but so then i'm coming up and i'm here in carter vintage guitars and i'm like here's this 61 p bass that i'm in love with it just makes me happy to be in the presence of sure. everything feels right. I feel connected. Like, okay, I have to call my wife. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I like I what can't a get old. <laughs> She's like um an orchestra teacher, always has her phone on silent. Like, we don't ever get to be old of each other like we need to uh-huh. sort of thing. It works. So I can't get a hold of her. So I call her parents and I'm like, look. I'm thinking about spending ten thousand dollars on <laughs> really just trying to let you know that that's here's why I think I need to do that. It's hilarious and, that you're calling her parents. That's wild. That's, you're like I've got to talk to someone from that family I mean, line. Yeah, but it's like it, it's everybody's certain thing. Like her dad yeah. really has like a dad to me. Oh, you know, cool. yeah, that's, it's kind of like that. And like they're they're a family that's like they're old West Virginia cup. Uh, country people don't mean to go them old and, uh, <laughs> like they they are never made a lot of money uh-huh. and they've been really good with it uh-huh. they feel like inside their means it's like an old way of life that kind of doesn't exist anymore right. things i've always loved about them and i hope that i can carry that on in my life mm-hmm. i have so much respect for the daughter they raise and just it's amazing but uh um so yeah i any financial matter, I'm going to run up by them a big one, not any financial matter, but that's a no, pretty big right. one. That's a big one. Um, so, so then I start talking to the fellows and they get excited, uh-huh. especially, especially CJ. And I mean, just, I think James and Jesse get a little excited when I start to buy a piece of gear. Cause for so long, cause he didn't same janky stuff. Uh-huh. And they, so they're like, they're kind of poking around. What do you think? This and that. And I'm putting it up and putting it down and everything. And finally, CJ gets the genius idea. He's like, I got a friend. I'm calling JT here. Oh, yeah. Here we go. It's so funny because like Jesse and JT are literally best friends for a long time. Played music together forever. And I've heard so many cool stories about JT and talked to him a few times before this. And uh, but I was just like, all right. 
And dude, I don't mean, I don't, you know, Jade, I don't mean to throw him. I don't know. I hope he's cool with this, but what happened is we told him everything about this 61 P base, uh-huh. including the price and it had been rethinned and sure. a few other things weren't original and stuff. And uh, CJ asks, tells him everything. And I mean, he just replies all caps, hard pass. Right? <laughs> and it's like, totally took the wind out of my sails because oh, I, yeah. I was convinced like this is the base it's speaking to me from another dimension that's like like for all i know god could be telling me i need to buy this base right now <laughs> right totally and i would have felt totally justified and walked home and felt great and but jt now, is a man who ha- is living in this world of knowing the good ones from the from the not as good ones for like his taste in gear is amazing. It truly is. And I spend the rest of the afternoon, like getting a taste of that. Right. And, and the other thing that I'm is like, man, I've spent so much close intimate time with Jesse Mm -hmm. and it's a very similar thing with Jesse and they're like best friends, you know what I mean? So like, and I don't know JT that well. And especially at that time, but obviously I'm going to defer to him. I have nothing to, it's like, okay, well, Ah, ouch you know kind of yeah. just and then just dude i and there's a few texts going back and forth where i think cj and them are kind of let down uh-huh. that i'm not gonna be buying a base right but eventually it's like well man if he wants to look at a 65 i, I got one that i might you know right, think about yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> and so we go over to jt cure's house and it's so cool. His place is I was going to awesome. say, cool statement already. In Nashville, uh-huh. like, it's perfect. Like, interior decorating is, <laughs> yeah. Like, awesome. I mean, it's like understated, but yeah. it's just like, right cars out front. Super just, cool. And, and just everything's so cool. It takes us down to this gear area. It to be and, a man of uh, taste, for sure. Just utter taste (laughs) pure 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 taste but uh so we get down there and just this music room full all these killer basses and he brings it over to me and he kind of starts explaining it's like it's 65 which like and i may get this wrong because like i said i'm just repeating to you what was told to me but like like, it's a 65 and fender sold to cbs in 64 like so there's that whole time period where they're like kind of they're figuring it out yeah yeah like making them with other materials or whatever after that like but like so he's saying this thing's an early 65 so it's like they're still using pretty much everything pre-cds nothing same same, you know and like so one the thing that he told pointed out to me is like clay dot inlays right so whatever they move to what is it um Uh, it would be mother of pearl and then perloid I don't know yeah, if they okay. drop straight to like fake Pearl, but I think there was a period where it'd be Mother Pearl. Yeah. Gonna so shoot me if I'm wrong though. Pearl dot inlays, maybe. I don't know. So like that it started with one or the other. Like at first they were just doing the top mm-hmm. with Pearl or whatever it is, the new thing. And then they started doing both. Mm-hmm. And so this thing's a 65 and it doesn't, it has clay dot inlays on top of the neck and the middle of the neck. And that's like a really good sign oh. to him, I think, and to me too. Right. And, um, and then what was it? I don't, it's not been refinished and just like everything's original, mm-hmm. you know, but one thing it was like when, and I play it and it's like, okay, cool. Feels like a sixties bass. It's like a 65. I was like, man, 61 sounded so much lower. <laughs> you know, but I mean, like, I'm kidding, but like, and like, it does look different though. Uh-huh. Like the, the sunburst on that, I was like, I even asked JT, I was like, so man, is like, is this a typical burst of that time period? Cause it's like really, it's like yellow. really yellow. Yeah. Super yellow. Yeah. Right. And he was like, man, I think what he told me is like, it depends on how they mix the paint that day. That's kind of how they did, it, you know? Yeah. So like whoever did that and he was like, I haven't really seen one like that. And it, it you know, or too many or whatever. Yeah. It kind of, it, it was like, so it's kind of cool. Right. It's not like, like, you know, yellow base is not on top of like my number one things that I want, but it's like, it's, not so cool, though. 
don't want. You know, like <laughs> it's just nothing I thought about. It uh-huh. was just like it was just different looking. Yeah. You know, and like the 61 was just like, um, you know, just thought it looked more classic or whatever. But it had been refined, it probably made it look that way. It's just right. you know what I mean? Anyways, that's a lot to say that um I just, I plug it in, play it through some awesome amp, a JT, it's like a B15. I'm like, yeah, sounds like a good bass, right? And we decide to do the deal and uh-huh. he just like very fair price-wise, ended right. up saving money that, you yeah, know what I mean? I was going to say, because like a 65, like if you're a collector, if you go after 64, for some reason, that's, you know, oh man, it's, it's not a 62 with a whatever, whatever. But like there's a period of time where it's all the same stuff. And just because it's not the same number because CBS bought Fender, that right. it, it, it's indig- it helps, it helps not have to buy a $10,000 base and yeah, still get a, a quality of a, a $10,000 base. It's amazing. And the reason like, I feel like I'm different now is cause like I basically had to put that base up for a little bit. Cause whatever that time period was, were we getting ready for red rocks or uh-huh. something and the Appalachian and everything. But and maybe uh, Louisa. I think we had Louisa coming up. It was. I think I had it for Louisa. Yeah. It's like that base. But I was just playing a lot of fretless that month. And um, wasn't it like ten or twelve thousand people in Louisa? Man, I think <laughs> if since it's, all right, it's December now, and that kick happened in September, and the amount of people has rose like every time I heard it. So I would say maybe 70,000 people. Oh my I don't know. <laughs> right? Yeah, totally. No, no, I don't know. I feel I don't know like I heard people. fifteen thousand, and I did, and I don't want to overshoot it. But I yeah, remember seeing I drone shots yeah. of the crowd and being like, in Louisa, Kentucky. Yeah, like <laughs> this yeah, is almost like watching know. The Walking Dead or something. Like just like a horde of people. It's amazing. Uh, it, it was a sight, man. It was crazy. And like, yeah, I mean, but you know, I don't really, I think 15 might be a little much in my gut. Like oh, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if half of that, I feel you like know, that was but, Facebook, that but it was an insane amount of people. It was. And what a beautiful, beautiful thing, man. Yeah. A lot of great music happened in that weekend. Like so many great artists, like, I mean, laid back in Luna or uh-huh. it was a Luna in the Mountain show. Uh-huh. And they're like, the, the sound system went out when they were playing. They played like a acapella version of Freebird. Had like the whole crowd. <laughs> of course, it was it was so cool, man. And like, yeah, man. Amazing. But uh, anyways, I played a lot of fretless that month, and then the next time I saw JT was a Rising Appalachia. Is that what that was called? Yeah, the Rep thing. Kentucky, Kentucky, Kentucky Rising. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, the rep thing that was like Chris's deal and like got to play a show with JT and I'd uh, never like up close at a Chris Stapleton show like that before, cool. but he asked me like, Hey man, how's that bass treating you? <laughs> and I was kind of like, cool, man. Like I haven't really got to play it too much. And I really hadn't. Uh-huh. Uh, and like, it's like really stoked to have it. It's like sitting right there, but yeah, like I don't even <laughs> like, I didn't have like an amp set up at my house really at the time either like uh-huh. i have this acoustic bass right here that's like if i'm just going to do something quick uh-huh. i pick that up i'm trying to be a better bass player and have an amp set up at all times but um like so then i did a run with i think john r uh-huh. I did a couple shows and we were doing stuff and i finally got to like play it on a few gigs and like just play it and dude it blew my mind how different it is Uh and how like I literally feel like the 2011 P bass I have and pretty much every other bass that I'd played on a gig before this one is like the TVs we had growing up that were like, that were like inside wooden boxes and stuff. Uh And this bass is like a high definition, modern television. It's like, it's like a just sounds high definition Uh to me. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just so cool and so easy to play nice sounding stuff. Yeah. So I was just, it really, yeah, I think that's a hilarious, like me personally is, is like, that's funny to me. I get that like the all, every component was probably made better and with higher quality, like down to the resistors and capacitors and, and, and they're handmade and everything, but it like blows my mind that like, it's like, you mean this thing from 1965, it's like we just don't have a way to make them sound like this. <laughs> right. yeah. 
probably be pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. (laughs) That's awesome. Okay, here's a question. So now you've got the P bases, you know, and around this time you've acquired the two Fender Bassman amps. What led you to the Fender Bassman and what's your experience with reliability with a tube amp of that caliber like on the road nice yeah it's it's as far as the tube amp of that kind of caliber on the road it's super new to me so like i said i got the 65 baseman at carter in um like a maybe in september or something and um the thing that led me to like maybe one one was one of my favorite bass tones I ever had was like James has had a few cool amps, you know, or had some so many cool amps, but like back then it was, you know, he at least still had a few cool amps. Right. And one of them is the basement 10, uh-huh. um, like a combo guitar amp from seventies with like, yeah, four tens in it. And my favorite bass tone I'd ever had was like, he had just got a new amp or something. I was like, why don't you plug into this thing? And it was like closed back. I'm pretty uh, sure. Yeah. Or no, yeah. was it? What? No, maybe it was open back. Uh, yeah. Making him cringe right now. If he ever listens to this, but yeah, I'm not familiar <laughs> with all the different cabinets of fenders, yeah. old fenders, but it was a combo. Right. Yeah. So like I played through that and it was just like, dude, I loved the growl uh-huh. I got out of that. I was just like, Oh my God, this is the coolest bass tone. It was just like inspiring. And I was just like, and then like, I was like playing really hard and I don't know, like blew a fuse after a practice or two <laughs> and I got like, really scared to yeah. mess with his stuff anymore. Yeah. Cause like, I don't want to break, break his stuff. So, um, it had always been in my mind, but so then like, and I can't remember, it's probably Jesse for a long time has been like, what do you thought about a basement? He'll like throw <laughs> stuff out. Like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he wanted to sell me a, a basement for like a really good price, but I didn't have the money for it when he first, when he first got in the band. Yeah. And um, so like, I think that's another reason it's been in my mind a little bit. Uh-huh. So yeah. Then the idea that it could maybe work as a guitar amp, I don't have an electric guitar right now, but like I want one Yeah. and like that I could use it for that. So that's what just kind of led me to wanting that. And they had one at Carter and I was like, sweet, I'll get that. And, I, and nice. like, dude, I'm a Fender fan. So like, I, that's why I was just on a look for a Fender Bay, uh, Fender amp. Like I want a Princeton too and a Deluxe. Yeah. Like I just, yeah. And a champ. I just want them all. It's, it's cool. But, uh, but so then I liked it so much. It had that growl thing and it was so much louder than I thought it was going to be like a 50 Watts. Like, yeah. you know, you turn it up to and a half, it's like, whoa, this is loud. And then you turn it up to three and it's just like, dude this is really loud yeah. and, uh i liked how it paired with the fretless bass because like the maple neck like i never put that together the different necks like i knew that people like different necks for different sounds but these two bases or like even the my other p bass my 2011 was like rosewood neck or whatever um like i could hear the difference in the neck playing the the p bass maple like regardless of being fretless or not right. like it's it's thinner right you yeah. know and it's, like, in a cool it's sharp yeah it's sharper i'm doing karate hand signs yeah, but uh with you but uh it and like the way it pairs with that amp i just get like a really trebly cutting sound that i liked a lot so i was like man i love that i'm gonna get a backup and uh jesse told me that john looney was selling in 64 looney cast dude looney you know is the man and like do what an amazing player and also gear yeah. collecting. Yeah. He has so many fun gear stories. He told me a couple when I bought this amp off him in Moorhead. And um, but it was a 64 and it blew my mind because they are like totally different amps. I had did not expect that. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. I get the 64 home and it's just way more what you think a bass amp is. It's like okay. got a nice body. And um, but like there was a part of me like when I first got it was like. Uh, like i liked how pissed off the 65 was yeah and but then and but but the 64 was like set up and went through and completely redone by the by the mule skinner dude mule yeah. skinner amp. mule skinner mike yeah. mike is great yeah, yeah. mike yeah he's got my svt yeah. right now 
Oh man, Which he doesn't. He doesn't love. He thinks it's great. And he's like, I don't. I don't know if I can get into this one. Which is probably why Ampeg's break down. Every, you know, it's, it's and that shows me how how similar me and him must be. It's funny, <laughs> but like, yeah, he was like, "Hey, man, if anything is up with that, let me know." And he's super cool oh, and yeah. like reached out to me about Mike it. He's the man. He's the man. But he's uh, fixed many yeah. uh, my deluxe many times. Yeah. Well, that's good to hear. Um, he's fixed my because I did end up going with the sixty four more often than not because it was like, yeah, uh, even though to my mind have that like flamethrower thing it kind of still does and i just needed to get my expectations or whatever out of my head and like totally. so i was playing it and i took it down to a session i did in nashville because like i use my fretless bass for like my punk rock sound uh-huh. like there's a lot of like stuff i play the fretless on that w- you wouldn't even know because i'm just like you know hammering eighth notes or whatever right. but uh but it had had like when i went to um take it home like i moved it and one of the tubes had been out of it i guess like when i did the recording and everything but it was like i didn't notice that so i was like huh that's weird and then when i i took it to play the sg goodman gig and it went on the fritz man uh-huh. it was like i ended up not using it for the gig it did this weird thing like did with, do it in sound um, check yeah with like Sweet. three times in like 20 minutes and the third time i was just like Tch. and she had a Fender basement TV combo. Uh-huh. Those are cool, but those are basically the Yeah. Oh. And it was like, yeah. And she already had it with her and like had a bass. I just like, we didn't. So I was like, <laughs> nice. we're getting yeah. TV. Yeah. I was like, I'm not messing with this, but, and I haven't messed with that, uh, basement since I need to hit mic up and yeah, take it over. to. Yeah. If you ever, well, this is a side note. I live so close to him. If, yeah. you, if we ever need to pass gear to him. That's very cool. easy. Yeah. Good to know. Me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> man, why did... So what's funny is when I was thinking about like getting a, a nicer amp, um, I was like, okay, do I want to go Fender? Do I want to go Ampeg? I find myself more usually in the Ampeg corner. Um, obviously, I want them all. That's just... <laughs> that's the sickness. <laughs> obviously, I want everything. <laughs> Uh, but I found a pairing that worked for me and, and, uh, and a vintage SVT that was an unexpectedly good price plot, good. plot twist. It's having to be fixed right now. So there you go. There's the, right. there's the unexpectedly good price, but, um, Fender had the Fender baseman con and it was like, it was class D. So it was like 300 watt heavy combo thing that I think you're talking about, but it's got like a legit real tube preamp and they didn't make them uh, that long and like right is that i see i didn't i don't know about the classes and stuff like that but like this was a 210 right yeah. and that's the one like a I tweed wanted, amp. is it like a tweed amp yeah, like yeah. not yeah like your cabinet mm-hmm. tweed whatever chat yeah um yeah Those that's it yeah. now that, now it that you're a man of influence you got to get them to start making it again <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm, i don't know man once once people start listening to me maybe that might be one of the first orders of business you <laughs> right. talk about yeah. yeah but yeah it's near the top it's near the top Definitely. once once i'm charged, uh we'll get we'll make that happen <laughs> that's awesome dude well thanks so much for coming dude, on thank this is a great conversation uh yeah i mean that's i i appreciate you i love your playing uh, I love that we're going to get to hang out a lot more this year. So I'm very, I'm very much looking forward to that. How many shows are you guys doing? I think five. I think we're doing like some shows. Um, we're do, It's like a month. It's like five shows or four shows or something like that. Then like a month off and then Red Rocks. So... <sighs> that's so cool man that's gonna be beautiful yeah i'm already looking forward to hanging out there and yeah man like heck yeah it's gonna be fun i had the the honor of seeing y'all uh not last red rocks but the one before just as a guest because we played that little kentucky rising thing in denver that had laid back uh and wayne graham and um you know it was just kind of like a kentucky and denver thing and we got to see both the Red Rock shows, and even That's just seeing it, life changing, like the uh, aura of that place. I don't know. That's yeah. true, man. That's definitely true. The that place, I you know that what a cool thing for the people that live around that. I would definitely <laughs> yeah. be 
season ticket holder. I could see any show there and, uh, you know, like really just have a great time. And that's really cool. You were there and can't love Abby's music and the music you guys make together, man. And can't wait to, um, play some shows with you and yeah, being on the road. That's a great way to, uh, you know, make some memories and a friendship for sure, dude. (laughs) Cool dude. Yeah, man. Well, thanks so much for talking. Does Nick play around, man? Oh yeah. Nick plays sometimes. <laughs> Nick's great. Not only is he an amazing bass player, mm. he's got a great voice, and he's a great electric guitar player too. Great like, awesome, feels man. aggressive. But no. I do I do sing and play electric and play bass. No. I'm a. It's not a. It's not aggressive. I'm touring with a country artist right now. Uh, that's he's out of Nashville, but I still live up in Lexington. Um, that's really cool. Who are you touring yeah, with? His name's Walker Montgomery. Um, he's John Michael's son. Yeah, the old John Michael. Oh, yeah. Okay. I thought. Yeah. I the name sounds familiar. That's probably why. But man, that's awesome, dude. Well, yeah. I think uh, maybe we'll be on a show someday together, like a festival or something. It'll be a lot of fun. Me. Sounds good to me. Let's take over Railbird. Let's do Railbird, and we'll have like a party at my house or something. Sounds. And fun. I'll just have like a bass player hang or something. <laughs> <laughs> the. The quietest, yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> everyone's yeah. like kind of in the corner, just kind of vibing. Yeah, but, you know, everyone's not outright aggressive. Yeah, man, just, uh, can't be. Try wanting to talk about Victor Wooten, you know, just <laughs> that, that that Vital Tectones record, man. Vital Tectones two. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Well, <laughs> oh man, I do, and I mean that with like so much respect to him, but like just oh yeah, funny baby. Yeah, yeah, dude, it's a yeah. different world. But yeah, thanks so much for the time, man. It's great meeting you. Good Seriously, hanging, dude. Yeah. Next time All you're right, in town, come see us. I absolutely will. Yeah, Next, we'll do some time. You'll have to check out the studio, and and maybe we can get a peek at that nice space. Heck yeah! <laughs> All right, got my number. Heck yeah! All right, man. See you later again. Thanks again. Uh, see ya.